Welcome to From the Source with Frankie and Sarah from Baker Tilly KDN. This podcast is about helping business owners and entrepreneurs understand and overcome their tax planning challenges. Join us for this journey as Frankie Loretto and Sarah Netley draw from years of expertise and guest experts to help make complex tax planning concepts make sense. Hello and welcome to From the Source with your hosts, Frankie and Sarah, where you get the right information right from the source. I'm Wendy McConnell. How are you ladies doing? We're good. We're good today. Feeling good. good. It's nice and warm out for it's October, but it feels like August, so no complaints here. Extend the summer as long as we can, right? I like the cold fall weather. Like I'm actually kind of sad. I'm over the summer. Like I'm sitting inside looking at the sun angrily. Like I want a cool breeze. I want to wear my sweatshirts. Sweaters and oh it'll be are you are you a pumpkin spiced latte person, Frankie? Absolutely. Like no question. Who who isn't drinking pumpkin coffee right now? Oh, there you go. See? When it's like 28 degrees or like I I don't know what that converts to for you, Wendy, like 80 something. This doesn't feel the same. We have no idea. We have no idea. Yeah. It's okay. We'll get the conversion table out later. Yeah. That is one of the most difficult conversions, might I add. And maybe that is just me showing my hand and I'm not that smart, but I was just in the States and it's like, I need to change everything to Celsius because I have no idea what the temperature, temperature is. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I have mean, no idea. you would think that, you know, since Celsius, zero freezing for you guys? For us, yeah. Yeah, so that would be 32 for 32, us. Yeah. So does that what? mean that we put 32 plus 32? On, no, and- no, no. I definitely what? know that. I know. That's what I, I don't know. <laughs> I know. It doesn't okay, make sense. Anyway. So anyways, what are we talking about today? We're not talking about, you know, metric. <laughs> we aren't. That stuff. Thank God, because it'd be Thank- a very short podcast. <laughs> Yeah, we we wouldn't have much insight there. So it's probably for the best. So today we are going to be talking about creditor proofing your business. And I, Frankie and I have said, this is probably going to be, you know, hopefully a short episode, but super insightful, but we'll see if we're able to keep it short and we don't ramble on for 30 minutes. But yeah, we wanted to start just by talking about creditor proofing, what that means and how, you know, hopefully by the end of the episode, you can look at your financial statements and say, yes, I'm credit approved or no, I'm not. And kind of know some of those steps. So Frankie, do you want to talk about, you know, what creditor proofing sure. means? Sure. It, and it's exactly what it sounds like. You're trying to, you know, protect your assets from creditors. So, you know, make it creditor proof. Um, so obviously we know business owners can get, you know, insurance coverage to try and protect their assets against whatever business risks there are out there. But as we know, with most types of insurance, that coverage might not be, you know, it might be partial, definitely not full coverage. There could be limits on your coverage, whether it's, you know, a dollar threshold or whether it's reasons for certain instances that aren't fully covered. Yes. Thank you. Claims. I I just like think about my basic health insurance, right? Like you go to the dentist. It's like you've got up to say, I'll say $2,000 and you want to go pull all four of your wisdom teeth. And it's, you know, I'm not going to do them all for this year because I only got 2000. So I'm going to wait till next year. You know, it's, <laughs> that's the the simple way that I, I exactly. think about in- insurance. So as a business owner, so you have insurance in place to cover, you know, kind of those day-to-day risks, obviously just operating a business in and of itself has some level of risk, which you are going to 
obviously be comfortable taking. Otherwise, if you weren't comfortable taking that level of risk, you wouldn't be in business and wouldn't be, you know, an entrepreneur. But there is kind of those extreme circumstances that, you know, could, you know, we always put our negative Nelly hat on and we say, you know, what happens if someone was to, you know, slip and fall and have a major disability on your property? Or if there was an accident while one of your employees employees was driving a car and it caused you know, bodily harm, injury or death, like those kind of catastrophic events, you're really not going to be able to insure against. And so this is where this notion of creditor protecting comes in. And so really, at the end of the day, what you want to look at, so take your balance sheet out or your trial balance, and look at the asset category on your balance sheet in your operating company. What is on your balance sheet? So do you have, you know, a ton of of excess cash? Do you have real estate? So I'm thinking kind of real estate that either you operate your business out of, or maybe just even other kind of you know rental properties or kind of investment type real estate. Do you have an investment portfolio? So have you been reinvesting you know, your after-tax corporate dollars into your business because you don't want to pay the personal tax now. So you're reinvesting it and maybe you have this large investment portfolio growing right within your operating business. And so if you look at those types of assets, those are the ones in our minds that we say, okay, well, that's what's at risk here. If you have a claim, if someone slips and falls, if there's you know uh, an injury caused by one of your vehicles from one of your employees driving, if those lawsuits come about, all of that value is up for grabs and and can be at risk to you know your creditors. Yeah, so when we have clients, you know, come to us and especially new clients, the first thing that Sarah and I look at when, you know, people are asking, okay, we just want to make sure we're set up in, you know, in a tax efficient way. The first thing we look for is never really a tax thing. It's always are they creditor protected? We look at the structure and see, okay, is the real estate in a separate company? not okay we might want to consider moving that out to a separate company so at least that piece is protected if there's something that happens on the operational side we look and see okay is there a bunch of cash on the balance sheet are there a bunch of receivables or a bunch of investments that you know don't necessarily need to be there they're not actively used in the business operations maybe we want to look at moving that cash and those investments out to a third company so it's protected and kept away from the business operation. So that's really the first thing we look Mm -hmm. at. It's not a tax thing. It's a creditor protection thing, but where the tax comes in is how do we get that initial structure to this creditor protected structure in a tax efficient way. Exactly. And so I think let's go back to our very first episode where we talked about owner manager remuneration, right? You can take out salary or dividend income. So a really simple way to creditor protect yourself without changing your structure, without doing a whole bunch of things is to just pay yourself as a shareholder a dividend. So take out that extra cash um, in the form of a dividend, move the real estate out in the form of a dividend. The reason you don't want to do that, though, is that it is the personal tax element, right? So if you're moving cash out, you have to pay personal tax on that cash today. Um, if you move real estate out to yourself personally, so the corporation's going to have tax on any increase in value in that real estate, plus you're going to have a layer of tax. So that's why Frankie said, you know, typically let's see if we're creditor protected and let's find a structure that gets us to that end goal, but without incurring a whole ton of personal income tax. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening to From the Source with Frankie and Sarah. We hope you're enjoying it so far. 
If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, you can find us at curtis.bakertilly.ca and all of our social media platforms are listed in the show notes. So a very basic structure that we could put in place and and is really one of the the starting points is using a holding company on top of your operating company. And I say on top of the operating company, meaning that holding company is going to own you know, the shares, all of the shares, the majority of the shares of the subsidiary company, which is the operating company, because that gives you a structure which you can pay a dividend from the operating company to the holding company. And in most situations, we'll keep it simple. It is tax-free or tax-deferred. There's no additional layer of tax on those dividends like there would be if the shareholder was just an individual. So this gives you a way to move that value up by paying a dividend out of the operating company and have all that excess cash investments sitting safely in a holding company. So when the time comes, or I shouldn't say when, if the time comes, there is a claim um, in the operating company, that cash isn't up for grabs now for the creditor. It's now now protected in a separate company. Stripped it right out. And so when you're looking at the cash in the operating company, Frankie, I'll put you on the spot because oftentimes sure. I think as a business owner, people are very mindful of cash flow. They want to have cash available so that if they have an unforeseen expense or they, you know, a piece of equipment breaks down and they have, you know, this unplanned or unbudgeted cost that they have access, you know, to cash quickly to fix it, you know, buy a new one, whatever that looks like. And so if I, can appreciate that maybe a business owner is listening to this and saying, well, I don't want all that cash sitting up in my holding company because I need it for my operation. So what what is the solution there? What's the recommendation? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think that's almost always asked when we say, let's move all of the money out of the company. The people, whoa, 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 I, I need that money. How am I supposed to buy equipment? How am I supposed to pay suppliers? Like, what do you mean move all of the money out? Well, really what we suggest you do is you become a bank. You know, if you don't want to go to the bank and you can become your own financing situation. So you have the holding company loan that money back down to the operating company. But what you do is put in place a general security agreement. So you then become a secured creditor. So, you know, a bank will typically secure a loan against, you know, the corporation's receivables, its equipment or its assets. An individual or a business that's loaning money to a company can do the exact same thing. So what happens is now you're a secured creditor and you get priority over other creditors that were, you know, could put a claim forth towards the company in the future. So even if you have, you know, all of your assets secured with a bank, you can then secure your loan and at least you're second in line to the bank if something were to happen. So usually we tell people to go to a lawyer, get a general security agreement in place when that money goes back down. So it becomes kind of a circular um, motion, the cash going up and then the cash coming right back, but it's coming back secured and protected. Exactly. And I think too, probably some of the questions we get from business owners, well, do I really need to move the cash? And we typically say yes. Like you want to see in bank statements, cash coming out of your operating company bank account, going into your holding company bank account, and then going back in because that paper trail that you know, that bank trail then also supports kind of that the legal documents that are in place. And so I'll just say maybe it, it passes the sniff test. It's all documented. Um, and the intention is clear that this funds were, you know, to be lent back in a secured manner. So that's a very simple structure. There's there's lots of different 
kind of structures that we look at to help kind of ensure on a go forward basis that your creditor protecting because usually there's two steps to this it's okay we look at the balance sheet you know there's one operating company that has all this mix of assets and with conversations with the business owner you know okay well what's your level of risk like are you comfortable with the real estate being in your operating company and if that's if the answer is no then okay let's step one you know move that real estate out to a new you know, real estate holding company, how comfortable are you mixing your real estate value with, I'll say just your kind of investment value. And, and typically, you know, we're maybe more conservative and say, let's just split it all out. So you have a real estate company, an operating company, an investment company. That way, each one is siloed and, you know, has that layer of protection. Because if you start mixing your real estate with your, you know, investments, if something's to happen on your location, there's a slip, there's a fall, there's value there in that investment portfolio that's up for grabs. And then so once we kind of do that first step of let's just separate these different buckets of assets, then it becomes on an annual basis, how do you make sure the excess cash, the amount that isn't needed in the business is creditor protected? And that's where you know holding companies and family trusts come into play, which can be, you know, probably a topic for another day because that's a a whole conversation in and of itself. But really you're looking at trying to, you know, use different corporations to provide that somewhat, you know, shield. Yeah. And I think it's not so much of a concern if your company's not solvent. <laughs> but right. really this is advice for if you know your company's making money, it's generating excess profits that can be and you want to invest elsewhere. It's just safer for you to have that risk isolated, right? So even you can have multiple companies for various pieces of real estate, especially if the risk is unique for each of those pieces of real estate. Like Sarah, you'd mentioned, if you have rental properties or other investment properties, you want to develop a property, you want to keep that away from the operating property, the property that the company operates out of. But yeah, like there's so much you can do. There's so many different ways to implement creditor proofing. But I think a key thing we should highlight is it has to be done well in advance. It cannot be done as a reaction to a claim being brought forward. Mm -hmm. Or a suspected claim. Even if you think, okay, this event happened, I think there may be a claim, let's do it now. You are probably out of luck. The, The courts would probably look through your planning and basically, you know, allow your creditors to come after all the value that was in your corporation, you know, at the time of that incident, I'll say. Yeah, to oversimplify, you cannot hinder, delay, or try and defeat your creditors by implementing creditor-proofing strategies. I forget the act. There's a name of an act. We have to ask a lawyer whenever we have one on our next podcast, but there is some legal legalese behind that (laughs) that I don't know. (laughs) Exactly. But again, it just goes back to, I think, maybe the overarching theme is just, you know, being proactive, planning ahead, thinking through some of these, you know, considerations at the outset before, you know, in this case, before it is unfortunately too late. So I think that the the takeaway from this is grab your balance sheet or your trial balance and look at all those asset categories. The one that might not be as obvious is if you, so we've talked about the holding company structure where you're actually paying dividends. So Anytime. So you might sit there and say, I already have my operating company. I have a real estate holding company. I have an investment holding company. But if Opco has only lent funds, so you've moved cash out of the operating company, 
but it's sitting as a receivable from your other companies, you're not creditor protected. So you really want to make sure you don't have these big receivables owing to your operating company from the other entities in your group. What you really want to see is Opco having that payable and then making sure it's secured. So look at your balance sheet. What are the asset categories uh, on your balance sheet? Are you comfortable? Like, is there significant value in those categories or if something were to happen are you okay with yeah you know what i'm okay to have like my equipment value you know exposed because at the end of the day it's not that much and then from there you know we put in the structure that that makes sense for you so that's really you know in a nutshell creditor protecting and and what it means and and how to look at your balance sheet um i guess maybe kind of just to go one step further um frankie do we want to talk about just kind of the director liability because that is a little bit of a different conversation and maybe we just touch on that really briefly here yeah corporate directors or you know individual directors can be held liable for various various things so such as you know if the company fails to remit you know GST HST or or payroll source deductions or you know paying WSIB premiums um and they also can be liable for gross negligence you know if there's a workplace safety uh, situation so it's just something to be mindful that that liability exists for you as a director and whether you know you're a director on say a volunteer basis you know for a charity or something like that or if you are a director shareholder of your own or managed business so just something to be mindful and those those liabilities are are not what we're talking about in terms of credit protecting those liabilities that risk is always going to stay with you you know as that director but i think it's an important point just to be to be mindful of yeah absolutely yeah it's you know i think Think to the worst case scenario now, your creditor protected, say, well, very simple, you have a holding company on top of your your operating company, you have someone come, you know, a claim, and it completely wipes out the operating company. But you know what, you have a few million dollars or whatever sitting in that holding company, the next day, you can go and set up Opco to and invest that capital that's sitting in that corporate level. And it's just, you know, you can carry on. I think that's kind of the picture we're trying to paint here. It's you protect all that capital, that seed capital that you can then invest into a new business. It doesn't completely wipe you out to square one. Exactly. So hopefully that was somewhat helpful for our listeners and maybe a few action items to to go pull out those dust off those financial statements and and see where your creditor protection plan kind of lies. Yeah, I'm starting to realize this is a tax podcast, but I think the we're always like, go look at your balance sheet. I, that's a good point. We're, yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. Statement. Well, and I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't think that I was creditor protected. So now well, there you go. Yeah, I've got to take care now of you know. things here, right? <laughs> yes. All right. So who wants to tell me if somebody has more questions, how do they get in touch with you lovely ladies? I will do that. You can go online to curtis.bakertilly.ca or you can give us a call at the office at 905-579-5659. Well, thank you, ladies. We appreciate you and thank you for listening today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to From the Source with Frankie and Sarah. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at curtis.bakertilly.ca or give us a call at 905-579-5659. 
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Frankie Loretto, Sarah Netley, or Baker Tilly Katie Hunt. Baker Tilly Katie NLLP is a member of the Baker Tilly Canada Cooperative, which is a member of the global network of Baker Tilly International Limited. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional accounting advice. Always seek the advice of your chartered professional accountant or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your tax planning.